Okay, chapter 21 is anaphylactic reactions. So an introduction, an allergic reaction is a hypersensitivity to or hypersensitivity reaction. Your body gets introduced to some type of allergen and then your body responds to that. Normally that goes by without much many problems, but if you're having an allergic reaction to something, it's a hypersensitivity. Basically, your body is just overreacting to that allergy. And an anaphylactic reaction or anaphylaxis is a severe life-threatening allergic reaction. And for us, especially at the basic level, that's what we're geared more towards treating is an anaphylactic reaction, not so much an allergic reaction. And with a true anaphylactic reaction, a delay in treatment can result in death. So it's very important for us to be able to quickly recognize, hey, this is an anaphylactic reaction, and to then immediately and aggressively treat it. So the immune system responds to allergic and anaphylactic reactions. The immune system responds to foreign substances called did I just lose my camera? What the hell? All right, I'll try to fix it during break if it doesn't come back on on its own. So the immune system responds to foreign substances called antigens. So again, something enters the body and you're, there we go. Uh, body tries to fight it. Allergens are a type of antigen that can provoke a reaction in some people. Some people are allergic to some items. Other people aren't allergic to those items. And the response to the immune system upon exposure to an antigen is to produce antibodies. So you get exposed to some type of antigen. Your body is going to recognize it, and then it's going to start producing antibodies so when it is exposed to it again in the future, your body's going to be able to fight off whatever that antigen is. And this immune response typically occurs with little or no allergic reaction. Again, this is happening all the time. You get exposed to something, your body realizes it, produces those antibodies, releases those antibodies to try to fight it. And again, externally, you don't even know what's happening. Normal. The body can produce immunoglobin, globulin, or E, which is IgE, in response to allergens. And when IgE encounters an allergen, it triggers an immune system response. Again, that IgE is released, those antibodies are released, and they try to fight that substance. And an excessive immune system response to an allergen is called an allergic reaction. So again, it's just an excessive. Your body is overreacting to whatever that uh, antigen is, and it's fighting it way too, way more powerfully than it needs to. And occasionally, there is a severe life-threatening anaphylactic reaction. So patho of an allergic reaction. Again, it's an excessive response to an allergen is a allergic reaction. And a severe systemic 
immune response to an allergen is called an anaphylactic reaction. What do we mean when we talk about systemic, a systemic response, cold? All right, my dog's kind of going nuts. Could you repeat? What do we, what do I mean? Or what does it mean when we talk about a systemic response? Like a, through a system, is it like whole, whole body? Yeah, exactly right. So a lot of, and we'll see some allergic reactions may be just localized where we just see it kind of right here on the arm, wherever the bot sting or whatever it was. When we're talking about a systemic reaction, again, that's, we're seeing it in multiple body systems throughout the entire body. And again, if that's occurring, it's more than likely going to be a anaphylactic reaction. So chemicals released by the body in anaphylaxis causes airway swelling, bronchoconstriction, and vasodilation. So there's three things that are really getting these patients that are having an anaphylactic reaction. First one is their airway is swelling shut. The next one is that bronchoconstriction. So they're going to be having a hard time breathing. We're going to have wheezing because we're getting bronchoconstriction. We're going to start seeing O2 sets dropping. And we're also getting major vasodilation throughout the whole body. So we're going to see things like shock. It's going to produce shock. We're going to see a falling blood pressure. We're going to see a rapid heart rate. So sensitization. On first exposure to an allergen, sensitization occurs and IgE is produced. So again, that first time that that antigen is entered to the body, say a patient starts taking a new medication that they're going to end up being allergic to. The first time they take that medication, never taking it before, their body realizes it as an invader and starts producing that IgE and is getting sensitized to it. After sensitization, IgE antibodies attach to two types of immune cells, either mast cells in the tissues or basophils in the blood. And basophils in the blood. And then on subsequent exposure to an allergen, the allergen attaches to the IgE. Mast cells, basophils release chemicals that mediate the events of anaphylaxis. So again, it's your body's response to that substance that's causing the signs and symptoms. And that primary chemical mediator is histamine. So the IgE realizes, hey, something else, that thing that I built a, 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 those antibodies to is, is in my system again. I'm going to release histamine to try to combat it. And it's the histamines where we start seeing the signs and symptoms of either an allergic reaction or anaphylactic shock. So the sensitization helps us kind of understand why and it's very common, in fact, that a lot of patients that have an allergic reaction to either food or to medication do not have the anaphylactic or the allergic reaction the first time that they consumed the food or took the medication. They oftentimes will not have the allergic reaction until the second time that they take that medication because of that first time the body gets sensitized to it, the next exposure and subsequent exposures, that's when we're getting the allergic or anaphylactic reaction. So life-threatening responses in an anaphylactic reaction. Again, the main things that are going on, bronchoconstriction. So the patient's going to be wheezing, not moving much air, having a very hard time breathing, increase in capillary permeability, 
due to a lot of that's due to that vasodilation. So blood pressure is going to drop. And again, we also get an increase in mucus production as well. That uh, increase in capillary permeability also causes things like that airway swelling, the tongue to swell pretty dramatically in some situations as well. So severe shortness of breath, airway swelling, falling blood pressure are some of the signs and symptoms that we're looking at for anaphylactic reactions. You can also have an anaphylactoid or a non-IgE mediated reaction. So an anaphylactoid reaction does not involve IgE, but the signs and symptoms in the treatment are the same for anaphylaxis. So with a non-IgE mediated response, you don't, the patient doesn't have to be sensitized to whatever that allergen is. They may have that anaphylactic reaction the first time that their body was exposed to that antigen. Again, can it occur on the first exposure to the antigen? So no sensitization is required. For us, does it really matter? No. Signs and symptoms are gonna be the exact same treatment is going to be the exact same. We just need to realize that we may have patients that tell us, hey, this is not the first time I've took the medication. This is my second dose of that same medication and or same thing with food. I've eaten shellfish before. This is the second time that I've had it. So causes of anaphylactic reactions, and we'll talk a little bit more about these in the next chapter as well, because these are way uh, toxins enter the body. So it can be through injections. Somebody gets an IV medication, uh, IV dye, for example, contrast dye for radiology is a very common substance that people are allergic to. This also includes things like bee stings. Ingestion, patient ate a substance or swallowed a substance. Inhalation, patient breathed in a smell or some type of substance or contact, it touches their skin. Common types of allergens. You can have the hymenopateria, whatever it is, majority of severe allergic reactions. These are from bites and stings. So bees, vespids, yellow jackets, wasps, hornets, stinging ants, fire ants. You can have the venom from other insects as well, it can cause an allergic reaction. Foods, <clears throat> pollen, and again, medications as well. Weather conditions can cause, actually cause allergic reactions. Latex, latex is, is a very common allergy. Um, and there's been big pushes in, in most healthcare systems, EMS, hospitals, doctor's offices have moved to latex-free equipment. So when I first started, we used to use actual latex gloves. They were I liked them a lot better than the nitro gloves that we have. But again, there's been big pushes to totally get away from latex. Many other substances as well, glue, hair dye, you can have allergic reaction to blood and so forth. So some common, again, uh, drugs mainly. So antibiotics is, again, a class of drug that's very common patients have allergic to. Penicillin is probably, in my experience and just guessing, is probably one of the most common drugs patients are allergic to. But any antibiotic, again, tends to have a high chance of allergy. 
uh, local anesthetics, procaine, lidocaine, benzocaine, novocaine, opiates. You can be allergic to hormones, steroids, vitamins, ACE inhibitors, aspirin, NSAIDs, again, that radiographic iodine-based dyes, uh, skin creams, cosmetics, vaccines, blood transfusions, and again, there's food listed on there as well. Peanuts probably being the most common food allergy. Shellfish is up there as well. Red dye is for something, something, there's something in that red dye that makes red dye very common. Insects, marine life, mammal bite stings, or bites, sorry, environmental mold, pollen, latex, again, perfume, idiopathic, which means we don't really know. They just had something they're allergic to, and exercise. That's my problem right there. I'm not just not lazy and out of shape. I'm just, I'm allergic to exercise, so I can't do it. So our assessment-based approach for an anaphylactic reaction. Anaphylactic reaction is often apparent because of the characteristic signs and symptoms. Again, we have to be able to recognize an anaphylactic reaction pretty quick. Luckily for us, it's typically relatively easy to determine is this patient having an anaphylactic reaction or not. And the initial scene size up, beware of dangers, something that the patient may have been exposed to, such as swarming wasps and bees and make sure that we protect ourselves first. If we are going to a call and there's still swarming bees on scene and you're allergic to bees, you probably don't even need to get out of the ambulance. Lock yourself in the cab, make your partner go out and get the patient as well. Or if it's truly swarming bees, we're probably not going to enter that scene because it, we would consider that dangerous. Type of setting, the medications that we see at the scene can provide clues about what the patient might be allergic to and having that reaction to. Our general impression may be malaise, uh, general discomfort, a sense of impending doom. Mental status can be anywhere from completely alert to completely unresponsive, depending on how far along that anaphylactic reaction is. Again, we have airway swelling is a big concern for us with anaphylactic reaction. So we have to be aware that there is a very high risk of airway obstruction that may occur. And if it's airway swelling, OPAs, NPAs, uh, ma basic maneuvers, the positioning, it's not going to do nothing to relieve or open up that airway. So since that airway is swelling, patient may present with strider or crowing sounds that indicates a very significantly uh, decreased airway. So uh, indicates may massive upper airway swell. Airway adjuncts, again, will not help laryngeal edema. So that swelling in that larynx, again, OPAs, NPAs ain't going to do nothing. And wheezing may be very prominent because of the bronchoconstriction that's occurring as well. So we may hear very, very loud, coarse wheezing, may even be able to hear it without a stethoscope. Positive pressure ventilations may be, may be needed, again, if the patient's to that point where they're not breathing sufficiently on their own. Maintain O2 sats at or above 94%. 
patient is definitely going to need oxygen if they're having an anaphylactic reaction. Their stats are definitely going to be less than 94. Not only that, they're going to be showing signs and symptoms of shock. They're going to be having a hard time breathing, all of which are going to be indications to go ahead and put them on high flow O2. Again, that's given that the patient is breathing adequately on their own, good rate and good tidal volume. If we do have to bag the patient, they may be, it may be difficult for us to intubate the patient because of that increase in airway resistance. We're, when we squeeze that bag, we're meeting a lot of resistance because of the airways are constricting. Consider ALS for airway management. They can possibly intubate the patient. If drugs aren't working and they can't intubate the patient, both advanced and paramedics could potentially surgical crack the patient. Pulses may be weak and rapid. Again, they're going into shock because of the vasodilation. So Alex, what uh, category of shock is anaphylactic shock going to be part of? Because it's caused by vasodilation. Distributive. Distributive, very good. There may be edema, swelling, and the skin may be red, warm, or cyanotic. And oftentimes they are going to present with hives or and a itching sensation throughout their bodies as well. And that's pretty characteristic of an allergic reaction. So again, swelling is going to be a big concern. You can see in this case, the angioedema, uh, swelling to the mouth, tongue, to uh, tongue from an anaphylactic reaction. Look how large that patient's tongue is. It can, I mean, severe enough, the tongue may be totally including at least the mouth, what do you think is going on below that? Again, the airway itself could actually be swelling as well. Trying to intubate a patient with that much swelling in the tongue is going to be damn near impossible, if not completely impossible. I can't even get the laryngoscope into her mouth. There's a picture of what hives could potentially look like. A uh, medical term for hives, your carrier. In this case, the kiddo was taking a penicillin derivative. Drug and again, that's antibiotic, very common medication that patients are allergic to. Another example of urticaria, this in this case, it just happens to be from a food allergy. And those urticaria can be anywhere on, on the body. So primary assessment again, signs and symptoms of an anaphylactic reaction include. Things like rhinitis, that's the medical term for a runny, itchy, stuffy nose. Tachycardia, the itching sensation throughout the body, medical term for that is paritis. Faintness, weakness, and again, hides or, or urticaria. Edema, swelling, again, may include the skin, the face, lips or tongue, warm, flushed skin. We, we see warm and flushed skin due to vasodilation, but if it goes long enough and now their blood pressure is starting to drop, now we're gonna start seeing pale skin. And that agitation or anxiousness, again, that's often the first signs and symptoms of shock that we're going to see. If we do come across a patient, they are in 
anaphylactic reaction, we have to be prepared immediately. Again, we have to be able to recognize it very quickly. And then from there, we need to be able to treat it very quickly as well, and then be prepared to rapidly transport the patient to the hospital. The treatment that we're going to provide to a patient in an anaphylactic reaction is we're going to give them an injection of epinephrine. The National Registry Standards Scope of Practice, we would assist a patient taking their own epinephrine. Realistically, we're going to give them uh, the epinephrine from our truck. So table 21-3 in the book, signs and symptoms of anaphylaxis related patho. So we're seeing rhinitis, that runny nose. Uh, the reason we're getting that is because of the increased capillary permeability and the stimulation of nerve endings. Laryngeal edema, same way. Increased capillary permeability, vasodilation, stimulation of nerve injuries. Uh, nerve endings, sorry. Increased bronchial uh, airway resistance, that's due to bronchial constriction, so wheezing, cough, tightness in the chest. Has to do with increased capillary permeability, vasodilation, stimulation of nerve endings, and bronchial smooth muscle contraction, cardiovascular collapse, poor perfusion, again, because they're in shock. Urticaria, because of the increased capillary permeability, edema, same thing. The eyes, you can actually see conjunctivitis, the redness of the eye, pink eye, stimulation of nerve endings, gastrointestinal. You can have abdominal pain, severe nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, urinary incontinence, vaginal bleeding, pelvic pain may, may occur as well. History of present illness, we'll go through our OPQRST. Again, it's probably not going to be the most, it's not going to fit the best, but time is going to be critical. When did this onset of symptoms occur? How long ago? Generally, the more quickly the reaction develops, the more severe the reaction is going to be. So we want to know how long has it been since they took the medication, since they were stung by the bee, since they ate that particular food item before they started having signs and symptoms. Again, because the shorter that window is, typically the more serious the overall uh, effects are going to be. We're also going to make sure that we get a full sample history from the patient as well. Is this the first time you've ever had a reaction? Have you had previous allergic reactions in the past? If so, how severe were they in the past? Were you prescribed or are you prescribed a epi auto injector? We need to again determine the following. After evaluation, we need to come up with our field diagnosis. Is the patient having an anaphylactic reaction? Are signs and symptoms that the patient is presenting with mild, moderate, or severe? And on their own, are the signs and symptoms getting better or worse? If no treatment was involved and it's a true anaphylactic reaction, the patient's not going to be getting better on their own. They're going to be rapidly going downhill in most cases. Again, does the patient have a history of allergies, anaphylactic reaction? Do they have an auto-injector prescribed to them? Do they have it on hand? Medications that the patient has taken on their own? Do they take Benadryl because they thought initially it was just going to be a slower or normal allergic reaction, et cetera? 
what prescribed medications is the patient taking or over-the-counter medications? Have they taken these medications before? Again, we're also going to try to discover, if we can figure it out, what is the patient having the reaction, reaction to? Again, so we want to know what medications is the patient taking? Has the patient started taking any new medications recently? Again, has the patient had an anaphylactic reaction in the past? If so, how long ago was it? What were you what was the what were you exposed to last time you had the anaphylactic reaction? How severe was it? And again, we're going to go ahead and get the rest of our sample as well. What other type of medical problems does the patient have, et cetera? Last oral intake, what did the patient have to eat or drink recently? Again, anything new? Or they say they're allergic to shellfish or avocado. What was it? Shellfish. And the patient says, yeah, I'm allergic to shellfish, but I like it so much that I take Benadryl before and try to eat it. You know how many times that's happened to me? Not me personally, but that patients I ran on, at least two. Patient loves shrimp, but they're allergic to it. So they tried to pre-dose with Benadryl and try to risk it to eat it. Didn't work out too well for both of them. What were you doing prior to the onset of the reaction? Again, we're just trying to narrow down what was the patient exposed to. Sometimes it may be very obvious. Patient says they're allergic to bee stings. They're out mowing their yard, got stung by a bee. Well, obviously, they're having an anaphylactic reaction to the bee sting. Other times, it may not be so clear. It's not as important that we try to determine exactly what it was they're allergic to, but if we can, we should try to. And again, was the, were you exposed to anything that could possibly have caused a reaction? During our physical exam, we're going to look for the following. Again, skin for itching, rashes, flushing, swelling of the face, lips, neck, respiratory system, dyspnea, wheezing, strider, crowing, tachypnea, cardiovascular system for tachycardia, hypotension, irregular pulse, absent radial pulses. Again, we're trying... Looking at all this, trying to determine, yeah, this is a allergic reaction that's leading to anaphylaxis. And we're looking for those indications that the patient's in shock as well. Central nervous system, anxiety, lightheadedness, altered mental status, can't even possibly have seizure-like seizures, headaches. GI system, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea is common in, with anaphylactic reaction or even severe allergic reactions, abdominal cramping, incontinence, and generalized signs and symptoms for itchy, watery eyes, runny nose, weakness, feelings of impending doom. We're going to get our baseline vital signs during our secondary assessment. Hypotension, low blood pressure may be present. Again, we're looking for those indications of shock. Respirations are definitely going to be labored in an anaphylactic reaction, so they're likely also to be fast and labored. Wheezing should be very loud when we auscultate with that stethoscope. Or if it's getting so severe where they're not moving much air at all, we may barely be able to hear any wheezing, but we're not hearing much airflow at all in the lungs. But again, at least initially, wheezing is going to be extremely loud to the point where we may be able to hear it without even a stethoscope. Again, pulses may be weak, rapid and weak. 
treatment for anaphylactic reaction. Again, this is going to be very important that we are able to differentiate between just a normal, everyday allergic reaction versus an anaphylactic reaction. So we have to determine, is this a full body systemic response or just a local reaction? Local reactions rarely require significant treatment. They may have just hives on their arm, but that's the only thing that they present with, hives and uh, itching sensation. Maybe runny nose, stuffy, stuff, runny stuffy nose, like seasonal allergies, watery eyes, etc. However, it's the systemic reactions, the true anaphylactic reactions are going to be life-threatening. And again, our treatment is going to range very wildly if it is just a local allergic reaction or a true anaphylactic reaction. And again, treatment is going to depend on this distinction. So there's two key categories of signs and symptoms of anaphylaxis. We're looking for airway, respiratory compromise, and we're looking for indications of shock. So indicators of a severe anaphylactic reaction, acute onset. Again, typically anaphylactic reactions are pretty fast acting, come on within minutes to several hours. With involvement of the skin, mucosal tissue, or both hives, itching, flushing, redness, edema to the face, lips, and tongue. <clears throat> and the patient is having signs and symptoms of respiratory distress, complaint of dyspnea, wheezing, strider, and SpO2 sets that are beginning to fall, and or signs and symptoms of poor perfusion and hypotension. So again, that's kind of the things that we're looking at to determine is this an anaphylactic reaction? So they're going to have that. Acute onset, they're going to have is the urticaria, the hives, the flushing, uh, itching sensation, the swelling to the face, and they're either going to have indications of shock or and or respiratory significant respiratory distress as well. So if we do determine, hey, yep, this is a true anaphylactic reaction, patient's not breathing very well, they're showing indications of shock, it's an anaphylactic reaction. We need to maintain a patent airway. Again, airway adjuncts are not going to work. If patient may have uh, copious secretions, if that's the case, make sure that we are aggressive suction those secretions if the patient's having altered mental status. Do what we can to maintain the O2 sats as high as we can. It will be high flow O2, non-rebreather 15 liters per minute. If the patient's not breathing uh, effectively on their own, poor rate and or poor tidal volume, make sure that we are ready to go with positive pressure ventilations. And how we're gonna treat in true anaphylactic reaction is we're going to administer an epinephrine auto-injector, either that is prescribed to the patient and we're assisting the patient with their auto-injector, or if our protocols allow us to, we're gonna use an auto-injector or epinephrine from our trucks. We should go ahead and consider ALS backup quickly. If airway swells to the point that total obstruction, patients can totally suffocate, stop breathing. If that's the case, paramedics can perform a cricothyrotomy, again, where they cut the hole in the throat, insert the tube directly into the trachea. Initiate rapid transport early, especially if the reaction is 
systemic throughout the entire body. Reassessment, look for indications. A mild or moderate reaction is progressing, getting worse. Make sure that we monitor the effects of our treatment. If we give that epi, that EpiPen, is it working? The oxygen, O2 sacs, the wheezing. Closely monitor airway breathing, oxygenation, circulation. And we're going to reassess bottle signs every five minutes if it's a true anaphylactic reaction. Patients can also suffer what's known as a biphasic anaphylactic reaction. 20% of patients experiencing an anaphylactic reaction have a biphasic or a late stage reaction. So in this case, what happens is the patient starts having an anaphylactic reaction or send indications of a allergic reaction, and they resolve sometimes without any treatment by the patient. It comes on, doesn't last very long, and then it goes away. However, they then have a second type of reaction four to six hours afterwards. And oftentimes, if they have that biphasic or that second reaction, it is typically very severe. It can be life-threatening. Again, for us, it doesn't really matter. The signs and symptoms are going to be the exact same. They're just having that second reaction further down the road, and treatment's going to be the exact same as well. It's going to be EpiPen if it's an anaphylactic reaction. <clears throat> so again, the drug of choice for an anaphylactic reaction is epinephrine. Again, it's Epi is only given for an anaphylactic reaction, not just a simple allergic reaction. So epinephrine can be administered through an auto-injector, or it could be drawn up, given into a syringe, and given it intramuscular, just like any other type of injection. In Texas, all EMS units must have some form of epinephrine carried in it at all times either an auto-injector or, again, it's in a vial or an ampule, and you have to draw it up with a needle and then give it with an actual needle. Not only that, every ambulance in the state of Texas has to have a way to give epi. So if you're working for an ambulance and it's just two basics on that truck, those two basics have to have some way of giving epinephrine. Either they have to carry the auto-injector or they have to train you on the more traditional IM injection. <clears throat> and then Texas EMTs may be trained in EPI-IM injections with medical direction approval. Again, that just prevents the service from having to carry auto-injectors. The reason why is those auto-injectors are like three or $400. They're ridiculously expensive. Compare that to a vial of epinephrine, which is three or $4. So it's a lot cheaper for the EMS service to train their providers on the traditional IM injection. So epinephrine mimics the effects of the sympathetic fight or flight nervous system to treat the signs and symptoms of anaphylaxis. So we're just giving them pure adrenaline, the same type of epinephrine that's released from your body. We're just giving them a pretty potent dose of it. And again, that epinephrine is going to try to reverse everything that's going on during that anaphylactic reaction. So the alpha-1 response is going to affect vasoconstriction. It is going to constrict blood vessels. Constricts blood vessels, that's going to take care of the blood pressure. It's going to raise blood pressure. 
Beta-2 effects causes bronchodilation, reverses bronchoconstriction, and helps with dyspnea. Beta-1 also affects, results in side effects of tachycardia, increased force of heart contractions, and increased oxygen demand from the heart. So again, epinephrine, everything that's going on during that anaphylactic reaction, epinephrine is going to be able to reverse it. Again, we're getting severe bronchoconstriction. Epinephrine is going to fix that. We're getting severe vasodilation, increased capillary permeability. Epinephrine is going to fix that. So epinephrine, we can have a patient that's having very serious signs and symptoms, damn near dead. We give them epinephrine and we could see an almost instantaneous turnaround from giving the drug. So it's a very good drug. And again, it can save patients' lives in an anaphylactic reaction. However, the side effects of epi can potentially be dangerous to our patients as well. It's going to make that heart beat faster and harder. And it's also increasing the oxygen demand since it is working harder. And a very common side effect from epinephrine injection is heart palpitations. They can feel their heart beating firmly in their chest, nervousness, and tremors. If we have somebody that has a weakened heart, again, we're asking a weakened heart to do a lot more after giving epi. We can actually cause damage to the patient's heart. So we've got to be careful with it. So the effects of epinephrine are rapid but are short-lived. So we may, in some situations, actually have to repeat the epinephrine en route to the hospital. Auto-injectors may be packed singly as just one single auto-injector. Oftentimes, though, they, are, they do come in pairs. The patient has two auto-injectors at their disposal. And there are two different doses for the epi based on adult versus pediatric, or in this case, based on weight. So the adult dose or kids over 66 pounds, the dosage is 0.3 milligrams. If we're using the EpiPen brand, that's just referred to as an EpiPen. You can also have the pediatric dose or kiddos less than 66 pounds, the dosage is 0.15 milligrams. And that is referred to as a EpiPen Junior. EpiPens are yellow in color. EpiPen Juniors are green in color. And those are what the two EpiPens look like. So again, the EpiPen Junior, the 0.15 milligrams is green in color. The EpiPen 0.3 milligrams is yellow in color. And something, I'll go ahead and point this out. On the newer models of these EpiPens, they have a little window right there where we can actually see that medication. Make sure that we do look through that window to make sure the medication looks clear. It's not discolored. Nothing's floating in it before we give that medication. If the patient has more than one auto-injector with them, make sure that we are bringing that second auto-injector with them. We're going to give them the first one on scene, bringing the second one with us to the hospital just in case we have to repeat the auto-injector en route. <clears throat> Dosage can typically be repeated in five to 15 minutes if needed. Just follow your protocols. If your protocols don't state you can repeat the epi, then you would have to call uh, for online med control. And if the patient is in a true anaphylactic reaction, 
there is no contraindications to give epi. Again, yeah, we do. There are some cautions we have to worry about, but if the patient is that bad off, severe life-threatening reaction, we have to give them the epi, or they're going to die regardless of what else happens to them. So side effects, increase in heart rate, can lead to pale skin, dizziness, chest pain, headaches, nausea and vomiting, excitability and anxiousness. Yeah, we just give them full of adrenaline. They're probably gonna have some excitability, gonna be kind of bouncing off the walls. So administering an auto-injector, we're going to administer oxygen by non-rebreather. Again, we got to still start with our ABCs. So make sure the airways is open best we can. Go ahead and put them on high-flow O2. We're going to check the EpiPen to ensure that it is prescribed to the patient. If we are assisting the patient with their own medication, check the expiration date. Look through that little window to check the clarity of the drug as well. Now we're going to remove the safety cap from the EpiPen auto-injector. This is an older model of the EpiPens. The previous picture that we showed that had the EpiPen and EpiPen Junior, that's the newer style. Uh, but the one end is going to have a safety cap that has to be removed. On the newer models, it's blue. Then we're going to place the tip of the auto-injector on the anterior lateral aspect of the thigh midway between the hip and the knee. Push the injector firmly against the thigh until it activates, hold in place until the medication is injected. So we're gonna go on the lateral aspect of the thigh, so the outside portion of the thigh, and we're gonna go right in between the knee and the hip. So cleanse that site, insert the auto injector, and then push it. The tip on this one is black. <clears throat> the newer models, the tip is going to be yellow. So it's blue to the sky, orange to the thigh. Do not get that backwards or you're going to inject your thumb with epinephrine. Seen it. Not seen it, but I heard about it. That is a sharps. Again, it's a safety needle, so it's going to self-retract once we remove it. But it's still a sharp, so make sure that we do throw that in the sharps container. Again, after any medication administration, we're going to go ahead and reevaluate the patient. Probably she's going to be doing that in route to the hospital. Patient needs to go to the hospital. We give them an EpiPen and they have a 180 turnaround and absolutely fine. We still need to encourage them, hey, this may wear off. You still need to be evaluated. You really need to let us take you to the hospital. So key points on Epi. It's a very powerful drug, and again, it can have some serious side effects. You can cause a patient to have a heart attack by giving them epi if they are already kind of predisposed to that. So it's a very potent drug. It can work wonders. It will save patients' lives, but there are some serious side effects with it. Is Again, it is not intended or indicated for minor allergic reactions. Again, we only give epinephrine for a true anaphylactic reaction. So side effects may be harmful, especially to the elderly or those that already have cardiac history. SPIMS's protocols, their protocol state, we cannot give epi to a patient with, for, because of an anaphylactic reaction unless they have both. 
They have to have dyspnea and they have to be showing signs and symptoms of shock. So they have to be hypotensive. Again, ultimately, we, you need to know and follow your local protocols. This is a skill that we will practice in class as well as giving an auto injector. We have a bunch of training. So in summary, anaphylactic reaction is a severe allergic reaction, systemic, life-threatening, whole body. Patho includes airway edema, bronchoconstriction, and vasodilation. Again, all three of those things are leading to a very critical patient. Treatment is going to include be as aggressive as we can on airway management. Again, if that swelling is occurring, though, there's not much we're going to be able to do to fix or stop the swelling until we give them that epinephrine. Ventilate the patient, oxygenate the patient, and administer epinephrine quickly. And anaphylaxis can progress rapidly, so make sure that we are reassessing the patient extremely frequently, every five minutes at max, keeping a close eye on their breathing, LOC, et cetera, constant. Okay. Any questions over chapter 